This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. This month, they asked Marion Call to help me say hi to John. It's Roderick, Roderick, Roderick time, John Roderick time. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? It's Roderick, Roderick, Roderick time, John Roderick time. Wow, what a good theme. That's a cover. Oh, uh, of? Uh, it's a cover of... Is that Salt uh, and Pepper? Mm, kind of. It's Marion Call. Hi, Marion Call. And she does the... Uh, <laughs> I'm getting inside the looking glass here. That's mm-hmm. the uh, segment. She she greets you this week with that. You don't know oh. that yet, because this episode doesn't exist yet. <laughs> what? Do you want to hear it again? Yeah, do it again. I can't do the harmonies. It's Roderick, Roderick, Roderick time, John Roderick time. Wow. It's five seconds long. Marion Call. Marion Call. We've had some good ones. I know uh, you don't listen to the program, but, uh, but you know, one of our sponsors uh, commissioned someone to, mm-hmm. to greet you on the episodes. Is, uh, this is a show it, you do with me. Is that so? Yeah. yeah. Uh, how many we met, we met in San been? Francisco a few years ago. Hi. How many, uh, how many of these have there been? <laughs> um, more I more think- than one? Uh, yeah, we had uh, we had Seth Boyer. We've had the Double Clicks. Uh, we've had we've had uh, many many uh, popular artists. Oh, we had uh, Molly Lewis did the first one. She she what? did a bang up job. You're kidding. Yeah, you, your your computer's made by Apple. <clears throat> and um, um, <laughs> wow, uh, I'd love to get all of these on a uh, on a, like a CD or you something. You want me to make right. a USB drive, John? Maybe uh, you know. Could you make it? Could you put it on a cassette? I can Bitcoin that to your cassette. Mm. Yeah, sure. The, you would use the clude for that. Mm. The clue. No, the clue. Ah, I don't want it. I just just hooked up my uh, thermostat and my garage door opener uh, to the clude. <laughs> and now every time it gets below 84 degrees in my kitchen... My garage door opener uh, goes off. Your and garage it goes... plays the beat from In the Name of Love by the Thompson Twins. Dun, 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 dun. Wow. I've the been cloud. listening to the Thompson Twins a lot lately on vinyl, and um, I don't know. A lot of that is really inexcusable. Um, I was a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a fan, too, and am still. But there is, there's some inexcusable drum machines in particular. There are some inexcusable drum machines. Yeah, and I think they really needed to give Alana something to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. gave her, they, they gave, she had that Davy Jones problem, you know, where they had to give her something to, not, not that she wasn't contributing. Well, but, they gave her they gave her that hat to wear. Yes, and, that and she a, had the funny haircut. Yeah, that was like two people's job. Oh, well, that's a good point. And so, then there was the other guy. Uh, you got the other guy. He played keyboards. We right. got the main guy. You yep. got Alana. And then you got the other guy. Right. The main and, uh, guy, uh, the main guy uh, went out Tom, with Jane Weedland, right? Is that right? What's his name? Tom Baker? Was he Doctor Who? What, what was that guy's name? Tom Tom um, ba- ba- Tom, ba- Tom Boston. Babbitt? Tom, Tom Poston. Babbitt Tom Bombadil. Babbitt Postage Bombadil. Um, <laughs> you made a you made a Hobbit joke. Caught. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, I think didn't they write uh, "Our Lips Are Sealed" together? Oh, I know that was originally a Fun Boy Three song. Yeah, which is a yeah. good version as well. Uh, well, it's the same guy, right? Uh, see, yeah. Now I got to go to the internet. Uh, "Our Lips Are Sealed." That is a really good. I had the Fun Boy Three version on a. Uh, Hush, my darling. It wasn't originally a Fun Boy Three version. It, they they wrote that song together, and it was they were they they came out simultaneously, right? Or they were they were uh, they wrote it. Uh, you know, I wasn't there, so it's uh, written by Jane Weedlin. Yeah, 
who we, who uh, of whom we are both fans, I believe. And the special, uh, the guy from the specials. Oh, I always get that confused. Terry but, Hall. He's I, he's the white fellow, right? Yeah, the Fun Boy Three guy was in the specials, not the Fun Boy Three guy was in the Thompson Twins. Bum, 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 bum. Right, and I always I had that problem even then. I know, I know. It's hard to keep up if you're not reading NME every week. <laughs> Do you ever read NME? Uh, when I worked at Steve's Broadway News, I would read NME and um, and the other one. I, there's two uh, of them, right? The, There's Enemy, and then what's the other big one? Melody Maker. And like it was a, a perfect example of how the UK exists in a mirror universe. Because <laughs> I would read it, and I would know the names of the artists, but I couldn't understand a word anyone was saying. Or I didn't understand the sense of humor, especially. It was very different from US magazines. Yeah, so different, and so willing to... I mean, so excited when they were excited, and then two weeks later, so dismissive when they're dismissive. I remember in particular... I remember buying a copy around the time uh, that I, w- I was I was getting into U2 more. Like, you know, 1984, 80, no, I guess 84, 83, 84. Anyway, but the Waterboys were opening up for them. And they loved the Waterboys, but they just did not have enough terrible things to say about U2. Poor U2. Yeah. You know, when they came out with Boy, <sighs> mm-hmm. nobody had a bad thing to say about him. Everybody loved him. It's a rock and roll album. But then... It went straight down. Once he started waving flags. I think he shouldn't take his shirt off at Red Rocks. I think that was problematic, as they say. He should or shouldn't have? See, I would leave the shirt on. He had a handsome U2, if memory serves, he had a war tour Mm -hmm. t-shirt. He's a guy not afraid to wear his own shirt on stage. You know, I've been wearing Roderick on the Line uh, hoodie a lot. Have you? I've been (laughs) so that guy for two weeks. It's very comfy. I like it. Um, but by the way, we sold shirts a while back, just so you know. <clears throat> I don't have one. Was I supposed to get one? Yeah, you could to to pay for it with money like a gentleman. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I've been living in a swag economy for so long. <laughs> you just I wear NPR tote bags. and <laughs> don't even remember. Decemberist mandolins as hats. <laughs> I don't remember what it was like <laughs> to go buy a thing. Uh, uh, is that right? Yeah, I just walk around and it's like people run up to me and hand me gift bags. Yeah, I, I've gotten stuff like that. Can't last forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still, uh, well, it's not important, but uh, it's um, it can be very frustrating. That's a good song. Uh, I was uh, very, wait, I, I'm sorry to yeah, interrupt go, you, but please. I'm trying to get a picture, a mental picture of Bono, a young Bono with his shirt off at Red Rocks. I might be misremembering. I seem to remember there's the video for uh, New Year's Day was the one that got a lot of play. I was a bigger fan of... Um, what song mm-hmm. is that? The Sunday Bloody the, Sunday. The desk, the desk uh, drums. Mm-hmm. The one with the desk mm-hmm. drums. Didn't Sunday Bloody Sunday? What was the one where? Yeah, Sunday Bloody Sunday got a lot of play, didn't it? What was yeah, the, but one the video from the, the video of the, from Red Rocks that I remember getting played? I think was New Year's Day. I think he might be shirtless. I think he climbed something. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that. That was there was a lot of. I'm gonna s- go ahead and risk a lot here by saying I'm gonna Google for Bono shirtless. I don't. Oh my God! You're you're gonna go right into like a like a fanfic parallel universe. Oh, Talking about parallel universe. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness me. What? Well, and some of them, yeah. Is there a picture of him like from six months ago in a Russian bath? <laughs> There's some shots of him like kind of milling around in some uh, Dick Nixon shorts, like hanging out at the beach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, as you, you, do. you ever been photographed at the beach, John, by uh, paparazzi? You ever had that happen? Let's see. The, 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 there's one time mm-hmm. I was photographed by paparazzi. Hmm. I, was, I was staying at the Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles, California. And uh, we were doing a, we were making a pilot of a television show, and one of our guests 
was a French chanteuse who was, uh, you know, a, a woman in her early 20s mm. from France. From France. She was French. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a great singer, songwriter. And it was one of those things where a lot of, you know, making a television show, a lot of people, TV cameras, people with the head, headset microphones walking around. And she and I sat down on the couch sort of after her segment. We started talking and we became, uh, we became fast friends. We were, um, we had an immediate rapport, if you will. Oh, uh-huh, I'll see. A rapport. Rapprochement. And so we had a rapprochement, although we had never had a, uh, a denouprochement. We never had a guerre. We never had a guerre. So there was no need for a rapprochement. But, um, so uh, the evening wore on, and then it was late, and uh, and she was like, I, "I am afraid I must bid you adieu," and I said, "Oh, al- uh, alas, <laughs> 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 I will walk you to the car." And she was like, "I have a car coming," uh, and so I we went down together in the elevator, and we walked out of the front of the Chateau Marmont, and it's kind of a strange, you know, the the the. Ingress and egress of that hotel is very strange. They changed it at some point, and now you kind of leave through a basement uh, driveway kind of thing. And we walk down together, um, and I'm I'm putting her in a town car, and we get to the end of the drive, and she says, "It has been such a pleasure to uh, to get to know you, this little little bit." Mm. And I was like, "The pleasure has been all mine, Mademoiselle." And she uh, presents herself for a, a Euro style, uh, you know, the kiss and then the other kiss and then the third kiss, right? The boom, 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 the three mm-hmm. kisses. Uh, le trois. Le trois, as they say. Mm-hmm. And I lean in uh, a- and give her the first of what will be three kisses. And all of a sudden, it's like, uh, it's like the psalm. Oh, it's just lit up. Pow, 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 flash bulbs from everywhere. And I had, I had a second before been convinced that we were alone. Oh, that's so creepy. Right? We were just standing there. The car was there. It was like, oh, you know, farewell. And we were talking to each other kind of softly like, farewell. This has been one of those meetings, one of those meetings in life where you just encounter someone in the afternoon. And by the end, by the end of the day, you know that you have, you have, uh, you have really lived. Do you know? Do you know? Mm. You, have, you have really lived. My God, that's for, charming. For only these few hours, we have really lived. And then, pow, 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 pow. And we both are like, like startled and terrified. And we turn. And the bushes are full of photographers. Yeesh. Because I think the Olsen twins were in the chateau. Oh. Or maybe it was. Uh, I think the Olsen twins were there. Uh, but there, I think there might also have been another, uh, uh, like, uh, there was uh, probably a uh, a rat king of celebrities because it was a Saturday <laughs> night or something. There was a rat king of celebrities. That's in, the new collective. In the lobby where they were, you know, they were all, like, doing cocaine and playing piano and so forth. And so these photographers had no idea who we were, but because we looked chic and because we were behaving in a chic fashion, and they may have heard, overheard her French accent. They were like, "These people must be. We we'd better we we'd better get this for safety, right?" Hey, you're there. I mean, you know, get, get the coverage. And I was. I mean, I went into uh, like uh, a combat crouch. 
Because of your training. Because of my training. I pulled out my Marine Corps survival knife. I hustled her into the car. He used her as a human shield. <laughs> no. No, I stood between her and the and the, Suits <laughs> and the gunfire. <laughs> hustled her into the car. <clears throat> pounded on the trunk. Go! Go! <laughs> Uh, Man, and then, I, and then I collected four scalps, but it was it was I had a sense, uh, just a momentary sense of what a nightmare oh it God. must be to try to just be uh, just leave the Rat King for a second as a celebrity and walk outside for a a cigarette, B to put a French girl in a car, mm-hmm. uh, C to run across the street for a pack of cigarettes. I mean, I, I guess they have people for that, mm. but it was whoo boy. Holy cats. I I would not want it. No way. No, that would, you know, that would intrude on something uh, very, that would intrude on something about you that you do not want intruded upon. I think you're probably right. Um, Yeah, I, um, I, 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 yeah, well, we've covered this. I'm I'm a very sociable person, but I I wouldn't want to be, you know, flashbulb popped at at the Mormont. No, no, I, you know, All those all those shots of celebrities where they're like winding up to punch a photographer, yeah, and the photographer gets that that classic shot of you know Sean Penn with his yeah with his shirt off and his fist up in the air. That <clears throat> the the, uh, the celebs in question never look good in those shots, but you can you can kind of empathize with. Well, it helps when you see <clears throat> video of that because when you see how there's no other word how aggressive multiple people are being they are in, they are in your face they are following you they are running after you they are provoking uh the subject mm-hmm. you know and i mean it's the 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 bigger you get the more you're supposed to just think that that's okay i guess i, I i'm totally sympathetic to to punching some of those guys it is a provocation uh november 2000 uh mary kate and ashley olsen released a film called our lips are sealed <laughs> turns out uh, it's all connected there it is it, all, it is all connected i sat in the lobby of that hotel one time when mary kate and ashley were there and uh boy it was a real eye opener uh particularly an eye opener uh to the effect uh of how boring it is to be a young celebrity mm. but anytime you're the bigger celebrity you become the more you just spend a lot of your time waiting to do something Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or I, in this case, it was the old thing. Um, you know, they're still young people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so instead of sitting in the basement, in the non-alcohol serving basement of a college, um, like the non-alcohol serving basement uh, club in a college dorm, trying to pretend that they're having a really good time, they were in <clears throat> an extremely glamorous hotel, and people were giving them every single kind of intoxicant that they could possibly want. And yet they were still just young people pretending that they are having a really good time because they know people are watching them and they don't want to seem like they're not having fun. Right. And so there's all that, like just the, just the normal stuff, the forced laughter, the, like the, uh, uh, the, the 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 young men that are around them have it's all impossible this- for them to have anything like a normal conversation with anybody that's their age or younger in particular. Right. I mean, they could talk to somebody who's 60 and might not know who they are. You know, they're 27 now, according to Wikipedia. Can that be true? It must be. They were born in 1987. They could be my kids. Wow. 
But the socks I have on right now uh, are 27. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's how you get the good ones. You got to go vintage. <laughs> the thing about socks is mm-hmm. some of them, mm-hmm. some of them blow out right away. Yep. Some of them are there for the duration. I only buy one kind of sock, and then I just keep replenishing them. And when they get dirty, I throw them out. But I only wear one kind of sock. T- t- tell tell me what it is. I don't get too personal, but I wear the uh, white uh, crew uh, gold toes. <laughs> I wear a gold toe, and I'll get the gold toes. I've given you socks before, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, you have. I have a couple of pairs of your gold toes. I usually have a pretty good supply on hand, and uh, when they've all been washed after a purchase, it's pretty creepy because it fills an entire drawer. But, you know, again, this is the kind of thing I don't want to have to think about. But uh, but Jesse Thorne mm-hmm. is going to is gonna ask I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a stand-in here for Jesse Thorne. <laughs> Jesse Thorne is going <laughs> to – and I don't do a good Jesse Thorne impression, but if you can just picture me – I'm I'm wearing uh I'm wearing like a country gentleman outfit. I have jodhpurs on. Uh, <laughs> For some me- reason I picture him dressed as the blue boy from the painting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go that direction. So I'm dressed Hello. as I'm dressed as the blue boy. Right, I have a hand uh, jauntily a cock. You have your cravat, a, you have your cravat hip. holder, your cravat yeah. holder case. There might be a couple of Irish wolfhounds standing <laughs> in the in, behind me, and I'm going to say, do you really only have white socks? Mm. See, the thing is, Jesse's got kids now. So, I mean, you know, this is, uh, you, does your child ever wear, I don't want to say too much, does your child ever wear socks? Yes. Okay, so, you know, we've done the fun thing and, and bought her different pairs of socks, but I have officially reached the end of my fucking rope with the socks. <laughs> Because we literally have one of like 14 different pairs of socks. And I said to my wife the other day, we need to get this kid on the gold toe program. We need to get her something like a generic, you know, low, not, not like a, not like a ped, like not right. like the little, little ones. Cause they're annoying. And you can't run around. They, they dig into your shoe, but we need to get her one kind of sock and just once a month have Amazon just give us like six new pairs of socks. <laughs> like, but like one pink Hello Kitty, one blue Captain America. Like we've got all these great single socks and that's all we've got. Do you, do you run into this? Well, so we have uh, back in uh, back when we were just beginning uh, our child rearing a journey. The journey we call it, yeah. The journey. Um, we were we, we were very strongly influenced by my friend Dave Bazan and his wife, who have a very excellent parenting style that uh, brooks no baloney from the from the. <laughs> The youngsters, right? And as it happens, dad only wears one thing. <laughs> well, and dad, that's right. Dad has one outfit, right? His red sweatshirt, red hoodie sweatshirt, black t-shirt, jeans. And he solved that problem for himself many years ago. But uh, his wife had this, this whole policy of like one of the big problems with, uh, with raising kids is that at, at a certain point they want to start dressing themselves. And then every morning you sit around for 45 minutes while the kid rejects 25 different outfits and it always descends into a screaming uh, nightmare match. Yeah. So her plan, which I thought was a genius plan was at the, uh, on Sunday night they go and they put together a whole week's worth of outfits. Oh my God. That's so smart. Shirt, pants, socks, all the stuff. And for, they put together Five different outfits. Oh my god! Why don't I do that? Then they put those outfits, each one in a in a Ziploc bag, a big Ziploc bag. Oh, life hack! This is going to change everything for right? me. And now wait. Okay. Here's the genius part. Every morning, the kid gets to pick the outfit. The illusion of choice. Thank you. Brilliant. 
boom boom and the kid oh my and it's all already in there it's in the bag you're not so you're not sitting there at uh, 7:42 in the morning i'm not going to name any names but you're not sitting there at 7:42 in the morning goes please literally pick something to wear that's right that's right because the child has already participated in the picking oh my god uh sometime before so if they if they suddenly have a problem with it you're like you picked this boom you cannot argue. This is the bag. You pick, and so pick whatever bag, right? <laughs> this is the bag. This is the bag. And you open the bag, and that's what you get. Mm-hmm. And don't be upset. <laughs> so, uh, but here's wow. the thing about the socks. So yeah. we have just entered into a new realm with our daughter. And I know that on our last program, I mentioned her name several times. I would like I, to I, thank everyone who's concerned. Uh, I was concerned about the privacy issues of you saying your daughter's name four times and then mentioning it on the internet. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, Thank I, you to I, everyone for pointing I, that out. I got, uh, I got 200 concerned letters, and I do appreciate <laughs> it. I have I tried for a long time not to do it. And, then, and what was funny about that, that I totally, conversation? I don't know how I spaced it. Well, and the thing was... Halfway through that podcast, I said to myself, have I accidentally said her name at some point? And the answer was no. And so I was like, oh, good. And I relaxed my vigilance and then proceeded to say her name four times. Or yeah. Anyway. I'll cut all this out. Here's the, here's the thing about uh, our current situation. Our daughter is, uh, is starting to pick her own clothes, but she has decided she prefers mismatched socks. Mine, mine does too. Yeah. So she wears she, she better learn to prefer it. <laughs> she wears one of each kind and it's this little, you know, and she gets to like let her freak flag fly in her shoes. And <laughs> you know, like I am a person that likes uh to combine multiple uh patterns that are su- that are supposedly John, normal. you defy genres in a lot of what you do. Yeah. And I and I think that that's in her too, but her mother is much more like, "Wait a minute, you can't go out of the house like that." Yeah. But the mismatched socks. That's what attractive kind of a, people are like that. Attractive yeah. people are always trying to 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 change where the bar is. <laughs> it's, it's it's such a thing they get away with. <laughs> Super frustrating. But but she the baby can have uh, whatever socks she wants inside of her little boots. Mm-hmm. So one of you know one of a Hello Kitty sock, one sock that has balloons and cupcakes on it. Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like that that outfit in a bag thing. That's a that could be a hack. For oh, that starts ups. tomorrow. That's no. There's no question. <laughs> I'm going to text I mean? my wife right after this and say, "Here's the plan." <laughs> this morning, my daughter. We had a, we had a nice morning. Um, my wife's finally feeling. Uh, here's a report on Marilyn's family. Mm-hmm. My wife is finally over the flu after her two weeks with the flu. She's feeling better. Um, yeah. We're she's getting ready for school today. My daughter, <clears throat> my wife, directed the first part of the outfit. She directed the. Here's a cool dress that you like. Like it's a good dress. She can move around in it. To to that we're added. So it's I think it was kind of a pinky dress, but it was you know it's a, it's a cool kid dress. She can run around in it. To that we add uh, some leggings that were a completely different color. I think possibly striped. She has a new set of Vans, lace up Vans that have a galaxy on them. Blue Ooh. galaxy with stars, like, like a Milky cool. Way. And to that she came in with one of my belts. And uh, decided she was going to wear that. So she's wearing like a like a, a man with a 34 inch waist belt. And I punched a hole in it for her so she could actually wear it to school. And it looks oh, like it, she has a sword. It looks really oh, cool. Oh, so she didn't wrap it around herself twice. It's just well, my wife spoiled it by tucking it in a little bit at the end. But yeah. but it was it was a sharp look with those shoes, buddy. Galaxy shoes. And uh, and her dad's belt. Are you kidding me? This kid is way ahead. It's the stone soup of fashion. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. I geez, the bag thing's going to change a lot for me. Uh, you know, the thing is, we have never actually employed it. It was we just buy a, lots of those gallon-sized Ziploc bags. It would be perfect for that. That's what it's for, right? And it's just, it's one, it's one of several examples of how the Bazan family has really, uh, they've pioneered a lot of, a lot of thought technologies 
that we have employed um, uh, in the raising of our own child. Well, if we, if and when we, I'll cut this out. But whenever, if and when we do that uh, special other project we're talking about doing, mm-hmm, he's, he's mm-hmm. got to be involved. Oh, I think I think he has a lot to share with people. He really does. He's got a lot of thought technologies that people don't, you know, they don't even uh, because the thing is, he's a songwriter, right? So he still wants, he still believes. Uh, in the power of song, mm. uh, unlike some of us who have abandoned uh, the, the ship. And uh, Dave, uh, Dave, <laughs> you still like songs, but don't see their power. <laughs> I'm just like songs. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave still believes that he can say everything he needs to say in his music, but he has a lot to share that he would uh, he would be able to share with his words <sighs> if we can just get him to use his words. See, here's part of the problem, is most of the people who have a lot, think they have a lot to share, don't actually have that much to share, <clears throat> and, and in fact, run out of ideas pretty quickly. We right. need to start tapping into the people who don't know how much they know, and we need to drain that shit, man. We mm-hmm. need to get the knowledge from the people who don't think they're thought leaders. That's where the uh, real knowledge resides. You know, do, do you know uh, Hutch Harris of the Thermals? Mm-mm. I know he's the band, a, yeah. He's a, he's a young man from Portland, Oregon, feel like he has a lot uh, to share. Actually, Hutch and Kathy together, uh, they have uh, – it's like uh, beans and rice. They have, the, uh, they have a full protein. Forms a whole protein, yeah. yeah. Ted Leo has a lot of information. I'm still thinking about Ted Leo. Yeah, that could help people. I got Ted Leo on my mind, man. Ted Leo on my mind. Ted Leo – I knew that guy would be smart. I had no idea how smart he would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a lot of uh, – he has a lot of back catalog. Did you notice – I don't want to get back on the gravy thing, but did you notice how – I don't want to – you know, again, this is – Private celebrity stuff. You don't. Like to you talk you about. want to talk about gravy? I'll talk about gravy. Well, <clears throat> I, I think there's support there for gravy talk. But all I want to say is, I was amazed. First of all, he's a very he's a very slender man. He always wears nice shoes, and he showed remarkable restraint at the windjammer. Did you ever notice how he would eat like he would eat like like a like a lady meal? He would eat like a like a normal human being would eat instead of gorging everything with sauces and gravies. Well, do you know why? Why? Thirty years of vegan. Thirty years of vegan. Thirty years of vegan. Whoa. So <laughs> whatever, whatever. Is there the, anything in the windjammer he could eat? Yeah, carrots. Sticks. I think the fruit had pork in it, John. I mean, at, yeah, you're right. At a certain point, they put hollandaise sauce on the carrots. But if you got in there before they put the sauce on, <laughs> he could. You know, he basically like makes a. He makes one of those. He, he, when he shows up backstage at a show, and they have one of those hospitality trays that's just celery and crudite, they call it, and and hummus, mm. uh, and the rest of us go ah. Ted Leo goes, yay, because that's like, that's as good as it's going to get. Man, what a world. What a world. Can you imagine going places and not being able to like even have any animal in it? That must be so challenging. Well, I'm, I'm so, so my, you know, obviously I th- feel like sugar is poison. I've said that a lot of times, but I also am, I also feel uh, a compulsion uh, to go toward the sugar uh, in every case. And I, I emceed a fundraiser, a fundraising event the other night. And there were 400 desserts at this thing. Mm. And I just was like, I can't be in this room and not have a cookie. And I have to be in this room, so I have to have a cookie. It wouldn't be charitable, uh, John. You, you really you should show a little bit of gratitude by having some of their cookies. Well, so I had some cookies. And then the next day, this is, you know, I've gone four months with no, with, you know, no voluntary sugar intake. The next day, I was like, "Well, I should have a hot fudge Sunday." And then at the and then having had a hot fudge Sunday <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning, I was like, "Isn't there a candied apple around here somewhere?" <laughs> and, and you know, it's just like what I happened? Seem, I feel like there's a candy apple here somewhere. <laughs> Is there a candied apple in this house somewhere? I'm, I'm I'm like going through the going through the dirty clothes hamper. I know there's a candied <laughs> apple in this house somewhere. 
So I have to just, whew, whew, just the worst. And, you know, and I look at Ted Leo and it's not like he, it's not like he walks along and it's just like, you know what? I'm at this, I'm playing this benefit for the bacon uh, council and uh, I should just have a bacon just mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, just I'm here. Yeah. Show, show a little esprit de corps. Yeah, that's right. And and then he has a bacon, and then the next day he's uh, he's ordering the like five meat platter at Jack's Barbecue. Uh, no, he just is like he has you know it's basically like Dave Bazan's outfit. Ted Leo has solved the food problem. Oh, it's so smart because there's only seven foods. I, I got two. I got two quickies for you. One very quickly. I, I found myself as one does. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I found myself on the website for Soylent. <laughs> and I paused. I uh, I hovered. I hovered over the try it out eighty five dollar version. I hovered over it because there's a part of me that thinks if I could get this dicked, I could get a lot of stuff done. But I, I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. I'm with you. And I have a friend. Got, who, doesn't it have an appeal though? I have a friend that ordered it. Yeah, and I got a friend said, who's I got friends who swear by it. Like smart like Brett, Brett Terpster, the guy whose birthday is always showing up on your Skype. Yeah. I think he's a soiling guy. I, uh, my pal said that what happened was he, he ordered it, and then uh, the rule is if you're already on the Soylent train, then you're then the Soylent just is flowing, right? Like then spice. The, then the spice is mm-hmm. flowing. That's right. But if you're new to the Soylent train, you got to wait in the station, and they send you emails like your Soylent's coming, mm. but it's gonna be it's gonna be five more weeks. It's it's like is it a supply and demand problem yeah they're scaling up and they're i heard this new 1.4 or whatever there's a new version they have version numbers on their food so 1.4 yeah and brett's Brett's very excited about the new one i think you don't have to add like a like oil to it anymore oh (laughs) it sounds tasty (laughs) but like there's a part of me that thinks you know what i should do is get the 400 and something dollar version so i don't have money anymore and i have to eat it i think i should force myself to eat it for a month This sounds like something you would try, John. Just just as as a thought technology, I could see you saying, "I'm going to do this for a month, and that's just going to be a thing I do." Oh, I'm very curious about it. Don't it sounds? Me- I mean, let's be honest. It sounds miserable. It sounds it sounds like punishment, but it's like going on uh, some kind of a diet or a purge or uh, a cruise, like something you'd really regret. But but you know, but you got to really go all balls in. You know what I'm saying? Well, the thing about the thing about punishment is that I derive a lot of pleasure from punishment. And if every You've, day, you're on record, John, suffering is not punishment. That's right. And so, so all these all these uh, deprivation diets, where it's like, all right, for the next three days, all you get to drink is hot lemon juice, mm. and then you get to put a little, you know, then you get to put a little agave in your hot lemon juice for three. It's like no, you level up. It's driving me crazy. Like I don't, I don't like it. But if 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 the diet was every day you drink one mug of cement mix. <laughs> And then in the afternoon, another mug of cement mix. <laughs> and then a sensible dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where, where your stomach was just full of this, uh, you know, of, of basically like, uh, like concrete made of nuts or whatever that stuff is. It, I, I mean, they basically, they go to, a, they go to a, a laboratory store and buy magnesium, potassium, uh, aluminum flakes and uh, and 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 put some oil in it, right? That's yeah. what Soylent is. Yeah, it, so. it's, it's like it's like it is a little bit like edible concrete. But here's here's my problem. And and like again, this is a little personal. But like I'm the eater in the family. Mm-hmm. I am the one of the three of us who live in our household. I am the one that likes to have a meal on a plate, right? With parts, 
and I want two or three parts. Even if it's just if it's just like a steak and noodles, that still counts as a meal. But I want to serve it at the same time. I want it on a plate. I want it to be hot, and I want to use a fork. I want to be seated. I don't want to be eating it over the sink. I will sit and watch TV while I eat. I'm not an animal, but but I am the only one in the house that cares one iota, one wit about that. My daughter would be fine as soon as the rice is done, as soon as the noodles are done. She's ready for dinner, and I'm like, no, it's not food yet. That's just mm-hmm. one constituent. But I, I, I'm learning. I am the only person who cares about that. So I'm the one who's going to have to make that happen because they're both perfectly happy. I can give my daughter noodles, uh, carrots, and cucumbers, and that, that's, that's almost a meal. She's happy with that. Is there, um, is there a window of time during which dinner has to happen for you? Um, no, not really. My, my, I mean, the only thing to that point is that I tend to forget to eat. Like right now my stomach is audibly rumbling because I forgot to eat today. Yeah. I do that a lot, but no, no. What about you? No, no. I mean, so sometimes dinner happens at 9 PM. Sometimes dinner happens at uh, four in the afternoon. Sometimes dinner happens at, at 1 AM. Well, your kid's now at an age where I think you can appreciate the importance of the cascade where, you know, anything could potentially happen anytime, <laughs> but it really could fuck everything up. So there's a certain order to things, right? This is not, yep. this is not numb. This is bowling, right? Right. So you got to The thing is, if you want to have story enough time for stories at bedtime, you got to get the bath by a certain time to have right. the bath by a certain time. We need to have, you know, homework done and food and, and all that. So the thing is, if you do have dinner at seven o'clock, that kind of screws up everything. In my it house. does. And this is what happened last night. I was, uh, I, I, had tucked my daughter into bed. I had sort of laid down on her bed uh, to say goodnight to her. Uh, and I sang, um, you know, Frere Jaca to her. <laughs> and then after you sing Frere Jaca, she wants you to sing it in English. She's not satisfied if you just sing it in English. She wants it in French first and then in English. She's like a tiny little Quebec. <laughs> That's right. Angry at everyone. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> sacra blue uh, sacra blue uh so uh and then i'm lying there and and i say as i do at the end of every day with her i say do you have any other questions do you have any questions <laughs> does she and, ever have other questions oh she always does and she take uh, she so she knows so she's a little bit of a thumb sucker and she knows that daddy will not answer a question that is asked past a thumb right if you're going to ask a question of a grown-up you have to take your thumb out of your mouth mm-hmm. one of the basic rules and a, lot, I, a lot of millennials I, could learn that john you know what i apply that to every i you know i said it to a cop the other day listen mm-hmm. i'm not going to answer your question sir unless you get your thumb out of your mouth but so she takes her thumb out of her mouth she she you know she looks at me seriously and she says daddy what is beauty mm. And I'm like, this is last night. And I'm like, ugh, what is beauty? Jesus. And so I, so I go, you know, I give, a, I give a basic sort of careful once over through beauty. Boy, that's just, there's, there's so many little sand traps in that. A lot of sand traps and a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that you, you, you have to be careful of of you know, your language and then your meta language and your pre language. But you also have to watch how long you pause to think about it. That's right. You have to just get an answer out because there it is. And, you know, it makes you, it makes it, I think the longer I feel, I feel like the longer I wait to compose a good answer, the more it's going to feel like bullshit. (laughs) Right. Well, and the other thing is I feel like kids, even young kids 
have enough intrinsic logic to know that an answer along the lines of, well, beauty is what you make it, or beauty is different for everybody, is also kind of a lie. I mean, that is true, and you need to communicate that concept that beauty is relative. But if it's, it's like all that stuff that people say, like, oh, it's different for everybody, and oh, it's just blah, blah, blah. That's not an it's answer. Like, That's right. not an answer. It's like, if that were true, then we wouldn't talk about it all the time, and there wouldn't be a word for it, right? Um, so anyway, I give an answer. And she's, you know, got a couple of follow-up questions. <laughs> and at some point she says, like, you know, because I, I said, like, some people think that a, that a bunch of sailboats on a lake you know, on a sunny day is very beautiful to see the sailboats all together on the lake. Other people don't have, they don't feel that emotion when they see a bunch of sailboats. They just see boats. They don't see the beauty. And she said, my eyes are beautiful. Because everybody says that to her. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to like fit that in. fit, fit with, like the, what, with the sailboats. Yeah, like what am I supposed to do with this? Uh, basically, she's asking me, what is beauty? Because she's saying, what am I supposed to do with this when everybody says my eyes are beautiful? What does that mean? And what are they saying? And am I, what, am I, how do I, what, am I, what do I do with it? What's my takeaway? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think that there's anybody that would disagree that your eyes are beautiful. But... I'm sure I could find somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> who's like, bleh. <laughs> Fail. But, <laughs> but so I got to, so, you know, she's finally, you know, she finally has, has some food for thought. I was like, you know, do you remember the James Bond movie where, where Roger Moore uh, gets on a circus train? That's oh. universally regarded as not beautiful by everybody. And when she's an, like, when an aging Roger Moore is dressed as a clown. <laughs> and she's like, right, right, right. I, yeah, I agree. I know what that, I know what you mean now, but I get out of her room. I close the door. I say, good night, sweetheart. Close the door. I look up at the clock. It's 10 o'clock. Oh no. And I'm like, how did this happen? How did I get to 10 o'clock here? I did not. I, uh, there was dinner and there was, uh, there was some storytelling and then there was pajamas got on and it's 10 o'clock Jesus. every i say this to my wife twice a week but <clears throat> every night at a different time i don't know when it happens but at some point between usually about four fifteen and six forty-five, an hour disappears <laughs> there's an hour i cannot account for every night and i'm like what the fuck how is it six thirty? yeah those hours are going, back, going somewhere well they're going back to 1997 they're trying to rebuild the missing oh, 1997. That totally makes sense. They're uh, they're like uh, collecting like people in a Brazilian dump. They're trying to uh, get, get some milk cartons and make a year out of it. That's right, exactly. <sighs> that that explains a lot, John. Well, I I feel like this is the thing about uh, about multiple multiverses, mm-hmm. and I feel it's the thing about what happens if you go into the black hole and you are in the room of uh, of all the times. And you start knocking books off a shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah, soon, yeah. pretty yep, soon, yep, you're yep, going to yep, make yep. a year somewhere, mm. or you're going to take a year away. <laughs> that makes sense, Because right? of the uh, differences in gravity. We, you know what? We need to get Neil deGrasse Tyson on here. Okay, he's going to have his whole, you know, like blah 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 theories. Yeah, about it, and then we'll get uh, Ted Cruz. And he can give us his theories. Okay. I'm going to jump in here. The other <laughs> thing that I did related to food, part two. Yeah. I um, tried some different Salisbury steaks. Say what? You, mm-hmm. did, a, you did a Salisbury mm-hmm. steak comparison test? Yeah, apparently. One night. 
<laughs> apparently, how apparently, a few nights ago, I cooked two different brands of Salisbury steak uh, and to do a side by side test. Are you saying that this happened during a blackout or some kind of uh, no, no, memory it's the kind loss of thing that happens after my family goes to bed. That's when I do most of my science <laughs> um, because it's just it's just easier. It's a cleaner environment. Less talk of beauty. Um, so I cooked it up, and I, I, I knew the winner going into it. You can tell the winner just by looking at the ingredients. Yeah. But I did uh, – I could not find the boiling bag. I think that's an artifact at this point, and that breaks my heart. Unless we go to eBay, I don't think we're going to find boiling bag Salisbury steak. But I did get a nicely paired Stouffer's Salisbury steak with macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. And then I got some kind of like weird off-brand cafeteria food one to compare it with. And this mm-hmm. the, the, the Stouffer's was much, much better. It was it – was, you know, it was it was good. The other one was not was was categorically not good. The other one had that kind of like uh, cafeteria, like elementary school cafeteria hamburger feel to it. Yeah, well, the, when you look at the ingredients, if if like the second or third ingredient is dog food, okay, you know that's not that's the one to leave behind. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I mean, the first ingredient is gravy. It's, most, <laughs> really? it's mostly gra- it's gravy and Salisbury steak. Because by weight, but you know, the Stouffer's was pretty good. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go through all the ones that got the store. I'm going to try them all. I'm not going to write it up. I'm not a blogger, not an animal, uh, yeah. but I will try all of them. Um, but well, but it, was, now, here, it was pretty damn good. Here's my, I mean, my hack, of course, is you yeah. always make a little pot of egg noodles. And I'm, I'm going to know that for next time. That doubles the, it just, it doubles the experience, right? Because then the gravy's got somewhere to go. And you got a little bit of you got a little noodle with every bite. Uh, I, I took a note from you, though. Uh, I believe your advice is always make the whole thing. Always make it all. So if you get the package of wide egg noodles from the grocery store, you always cook the whole thing. Make the whole thing. I, I, I do that now, and then I have the leftovers I put in a Ziploc bag, and then I can have uh, in Lord of the Rings. I think they call it second dinner. Voila. Then that, that night I can have second dinner. Voila. After everyone's gone to bed and I'm done with my science. Now, here's the, pro- here's the problem, and this is the problem for me, but not for you. Because of my, um, because of my gluten uh, relationship, my number one favorite food of all foods, which is uh, yesterday's egg noodles and butter in a Ziploc bag, oh, man. I, can no longer, I can no longer indulge in those. And I do not want to eat corn pasta or rice pasta uh so i have to forego what had what basically had formerly been the um the the junk let's call it i mean and i'm talking about a chinese junk oh okay right the junk that 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 ferried me across the sea was basically a boat made out of egg noodles (laughs) right that's how i came to be when they when when when, when they took me down to the Nile and they put me in a in a raft made of reeds, like Moses, <laughs> that raft was made of noodles. If you if I'm ever involved, I don't know if you I'm in your will at all, but if you want to have a Viking funeral, I would find a way to put you on a boat made of egg noodles and fucking set it on fire. I would do that for you. Thank you, Merlin. And that's mm-hmm. why we are. That's why we are friends. I am kind of confused, though. So, are you? Are you? Are, I thought you were like officially. I thought you'd given up. Are, are you kind of back on avoiding the glutens? The thing is, I have to because they are they are poisons. Poison. I had. I yeah. gave them. I gave them up, and then I was sad. Mm-hmm. And now I, I cannot be sad. It is not a state that I prefer. And now I've seen the other side. I've been to the edge. I stood and looked down. Up and down, and still somehow. That's right. Life's and, illusions, you recall. 
<laughs> the noodles aren't so good after all. Uh, and I do not want them, Sam. I am. And so I, I. So what I used to do was make an entire bag of noodles, and then you've got a bag of. Then you've got the the leftover noodles in the fridge, and you can throw a handful of already cooked noodles into pretty much anything. Like you've got some chili, throw a little handful of yesterday's noodles on there. Mm. You got some Salisbury Salisbury steak. You even. I mean, there's almost nothing. I mean, if you have a bean burrito, maybe don't throw a handful of noodles on it, but maybe do, mm-hmm. right? But I can't do that anymore. And so now I look in my refrigerator and, and I think there's some voice in my head that's like, find the starch. But there is no starch. <laughs> and your Terminator heads up display flips on. <laughs> it's just like, fuck you, asshole. So I can't. So I can't find the starch, and um, and so I just, you know, I just go to have my miserable uh, little little like cheese wad. You know, you you take a you take one of those take one of those things of lettuce, and you put a cheese in it, and you're like, this is nothing. This is this is something. Oh, I well, let me give you one thought. Technology. I, I mentioned this on another program. I don't think I told you about this. Do you know about? The Costco boiled peeled eggs. I do, and here's because you here's the deal: for like eleven dollars, you get twenty four boiled peeled peeled eggs in little packages. You have you have eggs anytime you want. You just open one up and you eat an egg. If you don't know what to do, eat a fucking egg. Yeah. Have you tried it? I swear, I've done it three times now. I've had three of them. I mean, I'm killing a lot of chickens. They're Let really me. good and super convenient. So I have a very complicated relationship with hard-boiled eggs. Hmm. Uh, hard-boiled, hard-boiled eggs, as you know, smell like feet. Hmm. And uh, they are both kind of spongy, slimy, and also chalky, mealy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So you, have to, you bite yeah. through the spongy, slimy part to get to the chalky, mealy part. And for years, I didn't want anything to do with the hard-boiled egg. I didn't want anything to do with it. Hmm. But then when I was walking across Europe, you get to that point, you know, so you're in England, right? And you get the, you get the deluxe English breakfast, which is like, <clears throat> which is like 15 different kinds of food. All you get black, is, it, is it like an Irish breakfast? I had Irish breakfast yesterday. You yeah, get the like black and white breakfast. pudding. You get the, uh, you get the blood sausage. You get the beans. Thing, you always get beans. In my experience, an Irish breakfast is sort of a uniform brown. They're shooting for a brown, mm-hmm. kind of like a tweedy brown. Uniformly golden brown, yeah. Yeah. An English breakfast really wants the entire breakfast ultimately to be the color of the hull of a ship. <laughs> it's trying to get a kind of steely gray, a steely gray color. And it's grim and dignified. It's really, it's really grim. And, 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 and I think we've talked about this before. Well, the English, uh, uh, the United Kingdom people who eat these uh, breakfasts, they eat a little bit of this and then they move over and eat a little bit of that and then move and eat a little bit of that. And if you are an American and you look at this plate of beans and and uh, tomatoes and so forth and you're just like, great, and you stir it all up together in one kind of like soupy mush, boy, it really affects them. It makes them recoil in horror. Hmm. They have a lot of, you know what I mean. They like mm-hmm. they like to wait in lines. They have a, the English people have a lot of. They, they they definitely they like things a certain way. Yeah, and, and they do not and, think you should mix your English. Breakfast. And they've survived for thousands of years with a certain kind of order. <laughs> right, but then you cross the channel, and then you are in the land of 
black bread and hard-boiled eggs. And every day you get you 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 uh, you go someplace for breakfast, and they're like, "Here's some black bread. Here is some pimento loaf." This this is more Germ- Germany kind of thing. Yeah, Dutchy German uh, land, mm-hmm. uh, M- Munsterland, let's call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they love that pimento loaf, right? Salami with little bits in it, like not, but like yeah, like little bits of. Olive and pistachios, and you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, here? no, I, I do, I do. And then I, they I, tend, to, I tend to skip over those things. Well, sure, as you do, right? Yeah. But if you're sitting, if you're starving to death, as I was, literally to death, and you sh- <laughs> and and you have opportunity to avail yourself of a breakfast, there is a housefrau who is presenting you with a breakfast. Oh, and then and maybe going to watch you eat it. Absolutely, going to watch you eat it. And there's some kind of bread. That is the color of like raw, raw uh, crude oil, <laughs> and then there is a pimento loaf, and then maybe a second pimento loaf, and then a hard-boiled egg. You're like Jesus. At least I know what the egg is, yeah. right? At least I recognize the egg. So I started to I started to eat these eggs, and I realized that hard-boiled eggs are amazing. Now I'm I'm in my 30s at this point. Mm-hmm. I never never really enjoyed an egg. Now I was really enjoying an egg. But when I got back to America and I was in a land of plenty again where I had a refrigerator full of yesterday's noodles, boil, boil in a bag Salisbury steaks on the hoof, it was very difficult for me to go back to this, uh, this privation diet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where, I, where I once upon a time had enjoyed hard-boiled eggs. And I have not, I've never been able to put it back into gear uh, because I because I, I never am confronted with pimento loaf, so hard boiled egg has fallen back to the bottom of the list. Of I get it. I, that happened to my dad. I think I think my dad in a uh, my late father in a more enlightened age would probably have been diagnosed with PTSD from um, being in Korea. I mean, it was really rough. I mean, he was an infantryman. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Like he couldn't be around fireworks. And and then, and another one was that he just chicken and rice he just did not ever want to see it again because you walk around korea and you kill a bunch of fucking chickens and eat some rice and that's what they did all the time while they were miserable and i, I huh. you know even for a man in his 20s i think that has enough of uh you kind of imprint on chicken as bad news in that mm-hmm. case and in your case once you're away from the privation of the of the brown bread and the uh and the eggs once you're back to the uh, salisbury on the hoof like why would you why would you go back why have an egg i mean an egg and but, yeah. but as you're saying an egg is a perfect little dollop it's a perfect little thing. You can go to Costco and buy 25 of them in a bag already peeled. Well, I, I mean, you're living in the future, dude. If you've got some frozen bacon, if you get some frozen bacon and a couple eggs, you've got breakfast on the go, my friend. Wow. It's such a, it's such a thought hack. Mm-hmm. But I just can't. I just, you know what it is? I'm afraid that I'm going to open up that bag of 25 eggs and that smell of feet yeah. is going to come out of there and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm going to have to go into an isolation tank. You can always whip them at people. You could throw them at Gary. <laughs> oh, my God. I saw Skeeter the other day. Yeah. He does not look well. Oh, no, Skeeter. Skeeter is in trouble. And, and, and he, they were yelling at Gary. And Gary was yelling. They were, it was like the, things are coming to a head over there. Oh, no. They were yelling at Gary, and he was like, what can I do? And they were like, do something. Whoa, and what do you that, think it means? Well, I don't know. I just, I mean, who knows? Ugh. 
but then I but then I had a lo- kind of a long conversation with Skeeter, and he's like, "Oh yeah, they don't have my medication right." And I'm I look, and he was like, "Ugh, looked bad." Wow, was, and I said, "I said, uh, Skeeter, you look bad." And he was like, "Yeah, I know. We just need to we just need to figure out the figure out the cocktail." Oh, that's well, like, miserable. <laughs> I don't think you need to figure out a cocktail, friend. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty rough over there, but. Um, but you know, I am my brother's keeper in a way. Yeah. And so, you know, I help out when I can. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you don't want anything set on fire, that's for sure. No, I don't, and I don't I don't want frankly, I don't want Gary living in the front yard anymore, but you know, Gary might be the only thing that's holding that whole thing down. Right. It's like it's a uh, like a human uh game of Jenga. You don't want to move the van. That's right. You move the van. But, well, the thing is this is what's crazy. I came I came out the other day, the van had moved. It had just moved to a different place. And you stipulated it doesn't run. Well, it it must have. Hmm. It must have run enough to pull out of where it was and now repark itself. And what I feel like is that they had a big fight. They were like, you're out of here. And he went out and spent what probably was two and a half hours getting the van started. Then he got it into gear. He pulled it around as though he was going to load up his extension cord and he needed to find his weed whacker or something, you know, like he was like, there's, you know, I'm going to park it here while I go in and get the stuff, my stuff. I got to go get my stuff out of the kitchen or something. Oh, so you think maybe the, the lady that who runs the house might've said it's time to go. Something. There was some kind of experience. There was something. I don't think he would have started that van for any other reason. other Because if he could have over the last whatever year or two, he would have. I mean, if I if I were li- I mean if I were living in a van, I'd also be driving a van if I could. See, see, personally, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he started the van. He he reparked it, went inside to get his spatula, and then they had a, a rapprochement. Mm. And or you know, it was kind of like when I was a teenager, right? My mom said, "You're a bad, you're a bad, uh, you're a bad kid, and <laughs> go live with your father." And so I went and I went to live with my dad. And uh, when I came back over to visit, my mom had turned my bedroom into a guest room. I've told you this story. That's subtle. <laughs> and so, you've been replaced by whoever shows up. Yeah, and and this with the full knowledge that she has never had a guest spend the night. Yeah, she's right? not a guesty type, is she? No. So she has a guest room, and it's for Elijah, basically. Right? There's never. No one's ever going to stay there. It was. <laughs> this it was space unintentionally blank. <laughs> It was just it was just that she took all of my stuff and all of my paintings and stuff down off the wall and put a flowered bedspread on the bed and was like, now it's the guest room. And the so room when was I, de-joined. Uh, for a couple of months, I lived with my dad, which, you know, I found just it, it just basically intolerable just because my dad was a busy bo- busybody. And it just felt like, you know. It felt like staying with mom was a prize that I had to earn. I had to re-earn, and I was going to do that immediately, right? It was you can't uh, you can't give me the, the give me a red ribbon, and and put the blue ribbon up on a shelf, right? I'm going to go for the blue ribbon. Mm-hmm. So I started going over to my mom's house, and then you know I'd sneak in and I'd end up spending the night in the guest room. Uh, but it was like a uh, it was it was a little bit of. Um, I never fully re 
I never fully rejoined that room or that house for like three more years. I never really put my paintings back up on the wall. I never really, it was still a little bit of the guest room until I graduated from high school and moved out. Hmm. And for the first time, Merlin, right this moment, I have no idea how I got on that topic. <laughs> I, in um, all of our time together, you were, you were pivoting. You were, you were pivoting from Gary in the van. Oh, right. So, but thank- you, but you and your mom. I mean, you know, but you stayed is- close. You helped her fix up her house. I mean, but this is what I'm saying. I feel like Gary moved the van. The van is in a new position now, but it is in a position that is sort of pointed out the driveway instead of tucked safely behind the hedge. And so even if Gary lives there for two more years, he's never he's he, he's he, he's going to show up there. He's going to see the van positioned in its new position, and he's never going to feel 100% oh, secure. Oh, his, his, his paintings were off the wall. His paintings are off the wall. Mm-hmm. The, van is, the, the van is closer, potentially closer to moving than it was before. Right. And so he's in a, he has, he's changed his superposition to one of like motion. I got a prediction <clears throat> on what's going to happen. Um, I think about when I used to pick my daughter up from her preschool we would walk the same route every day to walk from her school to the train to go home and every day every day you go you walk and uh we started noticing you know how you can't kind of can't help but notice uh it's january some people you start seeing trees on the street it's february Mm-hmm. Sometimes you see a tree or two on the street. There was one house that we passed every day, and it became a running joke. I thought it was funnier than she did. But every day into March, into April, I would say, do you think the tree is going to be there today? Mm. And uh, and she would say, um, usually, yeah, I think it will still be there. And uh, and then one day the tree was gone, and we never find out, found out why it was there until springtime. Whoa. And that's what's going to happen with the van. Well, that, see, that's the thing, though. This is the thing about uh, inertia, the thing about you know momentum. The, the inertia is on the side of Gary's van until it right. moves. And then I, I think it's going to disappear and you're never going to know why unless you ask. I think it's going to be – I think it's meant to be a mystery. Well, so what, one, of, one day I was talking to Gary and, and one of the amazing things about Gary, of course, is that you can, have, uh, you can have multiple conversations with him and he has no recollection of ever having met you before uh, from one – I mean, you know, I'm, he's been living across the street from me now for for a couple of years at least. No recollection. Introduces himself to me every time. Are you serious? Is that really true? Yeah. Oh, my God. Comes over, introduces me, introduces himself to me and starts to tell me his story. Like, hey, man, I'm just staying over here for a little while, you know, just blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Gary, I fucking know who you are. We've had, we've talked like 15 times. Whoa. Oh, oh, sorry, man. Sorry. I just, yeah, blah, 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 blah. anyway, in one of those conversations, I learned that Gary grew up in that neighborhood, hmm. grew up three blocks away. He's a native son. So when I found that out, I was, I was dismayed because it can only mean that Gary is, Gary may never go away. Gary Gary may move his van uh, around that front yard for twenty more years, because yeah, he remembers that neighborhood from uh, from the seventies. <sighs> God, that's depressing, John. 
yeah, it is it is depressing. But I but you know, um there's there are a lot of things that could happen. You know what? There's a million stories in the naked city. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, the other day I was at a uh, I was at a thrift store as I do, as I still do, even despite having talked many times about how I need to stop going to thrift stores. It always sounds like you're going to stop. It sounds like you've had your fill that that the the every thrift store has jumped the thrift shark. But there you are. You're back there. You're looking for bargains. I'm back there. I'm looking for bargains. That's exactly right. And I'm in there, and I don't know what I, you know. You'd never know what you're looking for, mm-hmm. right? Go in. You're looking around, just looking and looking. The wand finds the wizard, Harry. Well, and and this is what happened. So I'm like, you know what? I hardly ever look at belts. I'm gonna go look at belts. I walk over, and there's this, you know, total fucking uh. Like it looks like the it looks like the cabling at a at a server farm, <laughs> right? Except it's belts, human belts. <laughs> a human belt rat king. A human belt rat king. And I'm standing there, and I'm like flipping through these belts, and I'm like, oh, this is all garbage. And like, you know, a belt says "boy toy," and a, and belts with little <laughs> sailboats on them, and you know, like I'd love to see you in a belt that says "boy toy." Boy toy. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing and, you'd have to transport the buckle to a, a slightly more voluminous belt. Yeah, or well, you know, the, a lot of those belts, the style was to do as uh, as your daughter was wearing it. Uh, you know, sort of tucked in, right? Uh, extra long, oh, like belt. like an eighties belt. Yeah, and sort of tucked around. So maybe I might even be able to wear one of those boy toy belts. But anyway, I'm flipping through and flipping through, and then I find a belt, and I'm like. You know, you just you get used to in thrift stores. You kind of get that you, the tips of your fingers kind of can feel when something is of a different grade. Mm-hmm. Like you flip through the shirts and you're like garbage, 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 and then you touch a fabric and you're like, oh, that's a nice fabric. And that's kind of when I pull the shirt a little bit to look at look at it more closely. Like I don't want to I don't want to wear a shirt that I don't like the feel of it. So a lot of a lot of times I just I just run in my fingers over stuff like yuck 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 yuck. And then you find something. Oh, so I'm flipping through these belts. There's probably 300 belts, you know. And I touch something. I'm like, that's a different feel. And I pull this belt out, and I'm like, oh, it's you know, it's kind of soft. And then I look at it, and it's like uh, the front of the belt is alligator. I'm like, that's an interesting thing. So I pull the thing off, and I and I put it on, and it fits me. I'm like, all right. So I like the feel. It fits me. It's kind of, I've never, I've never owned an alligator belt because my standard for belts has always been like hippie big buckle, right? Like Mm -hmm. like rock and roll belt. I got a lot of rock and roll belts. Now I, now I want a nice belt all of a sudden. I never had a nice belt. So I look at this thing. I turn the belt over. It's got all these different stamps and impressions on the back that tell uh, all this information about it, which seems promising, right? The more information that an item has on it, the more you are able to research it. So I take out my phone, and I start putting in all this data from the back of this belt. turns out it's an $800 alligator belt. And it was a, are they notes on the sourcing? Well, it's like the name of so a lot of belts you just you look at them they have no information on them and then the first piece of information that you'll find on a belt is a, is the size. So a lot of belts just have the size stamped on it. Mm-hmm. 
And then you'll have, you know, if, if a company is making a belt and they think highly enough of themselves that they'll put their name on the belt, then that's a step up and you'll get the, you know, you'll get those belts that are like, I don't know, Dolce and Gabbana or something. They put their mm-hmm. name on it. But this was a belt that had like, like a cursive stamp that said handmade in America. And then it had, you know, the name of the alligator and it had all this stuff and it was all, it wasn't ink. It was all like embossed. So I was like, well, let's, let's research this. So I, so I find out it's this very expensive belt. Now, I've already been through three, the, the process of like deciding that I like the feel of it, figuring out it fits. So now I'm realizing that it is a very expensive belt, which ignites the, it basically ignites the, the bonfire chain on top of the mountains that signal the riders of Rohan to ride to the cash register. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, but I'm thinking to myself, like, is an alligator belt really where I'm headed in life? Mm. Is that, is that my direction? Can I ask, does it, would it nominally fit you? It fits great. You're kidding. That was the, that's the second thing I do, right? I, I, I pulled it off and I put it around me and I was this like, this sounds talismanic, John. It sounds right? like this belt was intended for you. Right. Like a sword in the stone type situation. Right. It's the wand finds you, Harry. That's right, Harry. Yes. So here I have this alligator belt, which communicates. I mean, an alligator belt to me communicates that you are the either the worst kind of lawyer, <laughs> or someone who lives on a boat, or someone who hates alligators, or right. You could be an alligator hunter, but I would think that that alligator belt would be like something that you had made. But that's a new kind of statement belt for you. So I get this belt, yeah. and I and I take it home. I wear it. I wear it the next day. And I feel, I feel that weird thing that you feel when you are a thrift shopper and you have found a little treasure, you wear it around and it's like, it's like our daughters with their mismatched socks. It's that little bit of like, I have a secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, my belt cost $800. Wow. My belt, ha- my belt formerly cost $800 that someone else paid for it one time. And now it's mine for three ninety nine. So the next day, I'm driving around town in my alligator belt. I'm feeling strong, and I start to feel that Vegas thing. Like, hmm. how many of these? How many of these alligator belts are out there? I wasn't even aware. Oh, I get it. Yeah. And so I head to a thrift store. You got the um, itch. I got the itch. I walk over to the belts. I start flipping through the belts at a different thrift store. The next day, I'm wearing my alligator belt. I find another alligator belt by the same maker at a different thrift store. Wow. What? And it also fit me. What are the chances? I don't know. Now I got two alligator belts. This is the uh, Bader-Meinhof syndrome. Like you didn't know alligator belts existed, and now you see them all the time. Yeah. Now I got two of them. Whoa. and, And I'm walking around like... What else is going to happen right now? These are these alligator belts are like these are very expensive items. They communicate to somebody. They communicate. This is what's crazy. Whatever it is that these alligator belts communicate, they only communicate that thing to people I n- will never meet or that I hardly ever meet. Oh, it's like a it's almost like a challenge coin. Yeah, right. Like it's a it's I mean a to thing. really get the, the significance of it, you got to get the significance of it. But you're, do you know what it is you're telegraphing with that? I have no idea. It's like I'm. It's like I'm. It's, it's like, like a, a hanky. It's like a hanky code. 
Yeah, right. It's a hanky code I don't know where it's like a black box pinging on the bottom of the South Pacific that no one will ever hear. I'm walking around sending off these powerful, like uh, this like belt message, the, this like belt boner, and it's falling on deaf ears. Everyone around me is deaf to the fact that you could even communicate something like this with a belt. I'm going to guess that the first one of the, well, who knows like what order these things go in, but I bet one of the first things is once you slip one of these on, you suddenly start seeing more of this kind of belt. Okay. It's so, like, I mean, uh, you need a belt to see the belt. It's like when you're playing slug bug mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there are Volkswagen bugs everywhere. Yeah, exactly right. It's a, like an availability heuristic with belts. So I need the belt to see the belt. Right. And now I'm going to start seeing the belt. And then, then what do I do? But now you're in, a, you're in a multiverse now, my friend. Like, where did that come from? How did that, what was the, what was the prime moving belt? Like, how, how, you know what I mean? Like, how is it you got that belt? How, how did I get the belt enough that now I found a second belt? So my, my third question is, now that I'm aware of this, and I start uh, uh, in my thrift store uh, experiences, of course, now I'm going to go right to the belts every time I walk in. I think it's your obligation at this point. Well, what happens, if I, what happens if I find a third one? Does it, A, mean that alligator belts are, are thick on the ground? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there are so many of these, but that but that doesn't make sense. I don't know. I mean, it might be a Brigadoon type situation where, like, maybe once a year, one of these belts makes itself apparent. I'm going to say I don't know because I, I don't have one of these. But maybe your job now is to help the right people find one of these belts too. I don't know how you find out who that is. It's to be like a belt guide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a, like a belt, a belt, like a belt spirit guide. I mean, they're very, very pleasing, these belts. They're very soft. I mean, I feel bad that an alligator had to die, but, yeah. you know, if something's going to have to die, like an alligator might be uh, – an alligator is pretty close to, like, the top rank of things that I don't care whether it dies or not. Mm-hmm. I got no feelings about them. Well, this you know is probably I mean? bigger than alligators, though, John. I mean, I, I don't think this happens by accident. This – well, I don't want to say it on the air, but well, no, this, this might be – well, this might be the UFOs. You think? Well, I don't know. I don't so, know. But like, how would you know when they were reaching out to you? Maybe right. they, maybe they, they give you an offering. Okay, now this. Is and now you got weird. two offerings, and now you're asking questions, and now you're open to the idea that that great thing might be somebody you need to talk to. So last night I'm driving home. I'm wearing my second alligator belt, <laughs> and I'm driving past the airport, and you know because of a trick of the of the perspective, like a a big sort of military jet has taken off from Boeing field, but it appears to kind of be hovering there because it's so big that it, that it's not disappearing very fast and it's just, and it's nighttime. So I can only kind of see its lights and it's hovering over the road as I'm driving. And I was reminded that of course that's if the, if the UFOs were here on a regular basis, that's how they would disguise themselves Right, they would disguise themselves as military jets, mm-hmm. and this thing is just hovering there over the road. And I'm driving along. I've got my alligator belt on. I'm watching this airplane, and I'm thinking, "Is this it? Mm-hmm. Are they? Is this the moment when all of a sudden, like they might have tried lots of times, and the conditions just weren't right, or maybe you weren't right. Like maybe you weren't where you needed to be to be looking for the right kind of thing." Because it's not, it's not going to just be an obvious thing. People aren't just going like, to show up with, with, uh, with a cake. Right? You need the belt to see the belt. Mm, mm. You need the belt to see the belt. Oh, 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 oh,
Aum Shanti Aum Shanti Shanti Aum Yum. We're going to cut all of that out. <laughs> <laughs> you need the belt to see the belt. Uh.